Welcome to spring break. It's good to have you. One man told me before Mass, you know, Father, some of us have to work. And I said, I know that feeling, brother. I gotcha. I had to laugh this week. Uh, CNN ran this story. Uh, you may have seen it. They were talking about spring break, and they, <laughs> they mentioned if you happen to bring your family to a national park, and on the off chance you're walking along with your spouse and you get chased by a grizzly bear, um, they said, don't deliberately trip your spouse as you're running, like feeding your spouse to the grizzly. Like, it's kind of alarming they had to say that, I guess, but I've been doing marriage counseling for a while, so it shouldn't surprise me. But it's, uh, you know, when we talk about each one of the any, any animal, pick an animal, elephants, bears, fish, giraffes, whatever, okay? Have you noticed that they, they travel in packs? They're, they're always in groups, safety and numbers kind of thing, right? I mean, any animal. And it's really the same, isn't it, for human beings? I mean, from our very, our very origins, a woman was created from the side of Adam, says the book of Genesis. In other words, from our very beginnings, we were created in community. It's worth pointing out, you may have heard me say this, but 300 years before Jesus Christ was ever born, Plato said the same thing. He said, you know, we are all communal by nature. In other words, we need other people, (laughs) even if they grate on our last nerve, right? Not that we would do that to them, of course, but in other words, we need other people more than we may think we need other people. Is anybody old enough here to remember uh, that song, The Cats in the Cradle? Remember that? It came out in 1974. Harry Chapin, who died in 1981 tragically in a car accident after having won a Grammy for that song. And if you're not familiar with the song, The Cats in the Cradle, go listen to it. Pull it up in your phone. And it's all about this, this... man who's got a son, and by the way, the son that he wrote that song for, Joshua, is now my age, 50. So he, his son was two years old when he wrote this. And so he, you know, the, his son wants to spend time with dad. Dad, can we, can we have time today? Can we play ball? Oh, I'd love to, son, but I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. And then later, of course, the roles are reversed. And the dad wants to spend time with the son, and the, the son was like, I'd love to, dad, but I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And the very last line of the song, it says this. It says, as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, my boy was just like me. He had grown up just like me. And this is why I'm sharing this with you. Relationships take effort. They take time, whether we are talking about a relationship with our spouse, our children, other people, or Jesus Christ, it's going to take time, time. Otherwise, we're like the Father in that song. We are communal by nature. We need other people more than we may think we need other people. You know, during the pandemic, as you probably know, we had two pandemics, not one. We had two. We had COVID, and then we also had a pandemic of loneliness. 
people were lonely. And it, it has been ripple effects. I can tell you I've worked with hundreds of people that suffer from loneliness. And I have myself been there at times, okay? Do you, do you struggle occasionally with loneliness, keeping in mind that somebody can be married and still have loneliness, and somebody can be in a group and still have loneliness? Those who are introverted, um, they do very well, and I'm being joined when I say this, don't throw hymnals, but they do very well with routine. This is the routine, introverts, and they do very well with what they call in clinical psychology, their nest. This is my nest. This is my room. This is my space where I'm comfortable as an introvert. By the way, those people have a very hard time, generally speaking, when they get to a point in life where they can't physically take care of themselves and their children or other people have to come in and break up the nest. They don't like that. They get very defensive. But they often don't have relationships to the extent they could because they're, they prefer being alone. Extroverts, our problem, that's me. Extroverts, they know a lot of people, but they not, may not have any authentic relationships with anybody. Why? The same thing. Whether one is an introvert or an extrovert, they can still suffer from this little thing we call fear, right? which means we've got to put ourselves out there, which means we have to have courage and we make time for them. Yeah, I'd rather watch Netflix or football, but you know what? I'm going to spend some time with this person. I haven't seen him in a while. You ever have these conversations at Kroger when you see somebody checking out? Hey, yeah, let's, let's, get, let's get together. Yeah, yeah, I'll text you. You ever do that? Be honest. Be honest. You ever do that? I hope so. I hope so. That, that you actually make time for that person, yes. Even if, even if you don't really want to see them, dare I say. We are social by nature. We need other people, whether you're an introvert or extrovert. We need this. You know, Jesus, you remember how he sent out the apostles, how did he send them out? Two by two. From a purely marketing standpoint, Jesus Christ could have covered a lot more ground if he had sent them out one by one. Why would he have sent them out two by two? Because they no doubt needed each other. I mean, these guys were going into new grounds. I'm, I'm sure they had days where they just wanted to vent or have a glass of wine together or a gallon of wine together depending on the day, you know? I mean, they needed to vent. Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, as you know, he was struggling with loneliness because all the apostles who said they would be there left him. We need other people, and if that's going to work, if we're going to be happy, that is going to require this little thing we call time. I have a question. Um, for you and for, for myself. Do you know that Memphis, I'm sure you know this, Memphis has, when we talk about crime, 
in our city, we have three times the national average of crime in the city. As you know, we are consistently listed in the top five most violent cities in this country, year after year after year after year after year. So if we know that, and we know that we have three times roughly the national average, here's my question to everybody here. Why are you here? Why do you stay? I mean, let's say that you have a cousin who lives in Omaha or Connecticut, and it's like, You're, are you in Memphis? Yeah. This happened to me so many times on airplanes. People see this collar and they start talking. I'm like, dude, I just want to sleep. Okay, but they want to talk, whatever, that's fine. Father, where are you from? I'm from Memphis. But we get this, right? So what, why do you stay? Family, home, why else? Work, good. I mean, we, we need to answer this question. We need, we need to think about this. Why are you still here? This is home, okay. This is our family. And I'm guessing, and, and forgive me, I don't want to put my words in anybody's mouth here, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, if you ask most Memphians, why are you here? I grew up here. Why are you still here? You know what they're going to say? Relationships. There's so many good people in this city, Father, And by the way, side note, there are so many good people in this city that are trying to change this city that never get any airplay. Amen? Amen. Please keep that in mind when you're watching the news. Relationships is what makes this city strong. We saw that when we had our interfaith prayer service. Afterwards, people were coming up from all different religions. They were coming up and they said the same thing. Father, please do this again. I don't take any credit. It wasn't me. It was our community. We need other people. And if that's the case, then that means we put time and effort into that. I'll close with this. If you would, just bear with me for a second. Take out my opinion. Take out the message. Take out the Bible. Just throw it all out for a second. Just get rid of all that. Let me just give you a little bit of data and science for a second, if you stick with me. Two months ago, Harvard University published the largest and the longest study that has ever been done on human behavior. 85-year study. It started in 1938 with 300 Harvard sophomores. It has since included every part of the globe, every demographic, every income level, every, almost every faith. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people took pl- part in this study. Oh, and by the way, one of the people that took part in this study, President Kennedy, as a young man in Harvard. Thousands of people, over 85 years. And you know what they asked them? They asked them <laughs> one question. They checked in with them every year. They asked them one question. This is the question they asked them. Are you happy? Every year, they checked in with them and their spouses and their children. 85 years. It's a lot of treasure trove of information. They said, are you happy? If so, why? And if not, why? 
So before I tell you what they said, what makes them happy, I'm going to ask you the question. What if they came to you and they said, are you, are you happy? Better yet, if you don't mind me saying so, if you died tomorrow, would they say that you were a happy person? Let's assume that Father Ben's got your coffin right here, and I'm throwing lots of holy water on it and incensing it, and depending on who it is, they may need a lot of holy water and incense, all right? Okay, would, I, would they say that you are a happy person? Be honest. Or would they say that we're kind of grouchy? Or Johnny Raincloud? You know what made them happy? Wasn't what the, the world says. They said money can make life easier. It can take away some stress. It means I can send my kids to private schools. Otherwise, that wouldn't be possible. It can take away some of that stress. But it wasn't money, it wasn't fame. You know what made them happy? Again, not Father Ben's opinion. Relationships. Relationships made them happy. And that means, if that's the case, it requires risk. And it requires time and being vulnerable if we're going to grow. That's how we grow. Because God made us where we need other people. This is why, by the way, in the Our Father, we hear nine times, plural, 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 give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those, blah, 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 blah. The last seven of the Ten Commandments are about how we treat other people. The first three about how we treat God. We need other people, and that requires time. 